Welcome to Indians on Deck. As always, I'm your host, Matt Schlichting. Who's joining me this week? That'd be Brian Hemminger again. Brian, what has happened in the world of prospects since last week? Uh, I guess the biggest thing is they reported today. So, you know, we're officially getting going with, like, baseball season. Like, it's happening. Is that pitchers and catchers reporting to Arizona? I believe so, yes. Oh, yeah. uh, Twitter was you know, going a little nuts with it today. So it was exciting. I think especially this spring. Yeah, because they didn't really have any. I mean, they. I think they had spring training for like, what, two games last year? <laughs> and then they just canceled everything until July. Yeah. So this is an, an extra special uh, spring training. So like I'm going to be either watching or listening to the first spring training game in 11 days. Like oh, absolutely. I need my baseball fix. More to our focus here on the podcast, for a lot of these prospects who are getting called up, or I should rather say invited to spring camp, mm-hmm. this is the first real baseball, like game type action they're going to be seeing in a year and a half in some cases, right? It's exciting. Um uh, for a lot of those players, basically all our youngest players, I mean, they didn't get to play at all last year. So like like you look at our draft picks that were like college players, they got to play like four games and then their season was over and then they got drafted and then they did nothing. <laughs> they just sat on their butts and they're just waiting. So at least, you know, there were some players that got to do the whole taxi squad thing. Uh, like a lot of the more advanced prospects that were closer to the big leagues, but like all the really young ones, I mean, unless they were like really working on stuff, I mean, it, they kind of lost a year of development. So this is like catch up mode right now. I wonder if it's going to be apparent which guys have put in some extra work during the time off and which ones haven't. Mm-hmm. It's interesting the extent to which prospects have almost been in a black box for the last year. Normally you have games, you have instructionals, you have all of these things that you can point to to figure out how development is going, how a player is progressing. And and for the last year, it's just been, well, apparently he's in Lake County. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, another thing you have to factor in is like there's the stateside prospects that maybe we're able to work out in like our training facility in Arizona. But then there's guys that got stuck internationally. A significant majority of our prospects from Venezuela spent 2020 in Venezuela. They weren't allowed to leave. Like I'm pretty sure like Rocchio didn't leave Venezuela the whole year. Maybe, maybe he was able to, I think, play a little bit in spring training but then the second they shut stuff down, he was stuck. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens out of some of those guys that uh, we just have not seen whatsoever. It, it, there's a lot of uncertainty right now heading into this season, which is kind of exciting too. But uh, you know, you you, you also want to know what you're you know, at least what to expect. Like we're we're doing everything kind of blind flying in because we're basing a lot of our analysis and expectations on year and a half old data right now. So for 
and I don't know if you have a sense of this or not, but in cases like Rokio, where you have a, a well-regarded prospect who has just been, was basically in his home country out of all other contact with the team for a year, other than what you can do virtually, what did teams do for players in that situation? I can't imagine they would just say, well, see you on the other side. Stay healthy. Yeah. Good luck. I'm, I'm sure that they had some way of staying in contact with them and giving them like plans and everything. But I, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure if, you know, they can't have handlers and stuff out there to send to them, it's kind of up to the player. So I guess at that point, um, what's, what's beneficial is that you're recruiting players that have high makeup and really good work ethic that you can trust to go out and improve themselves. <laughs> And I'm sure that Rokio is one of those guys. He definitely does seem to fit the mold. And I also wonder if we're going to see with some, maybe some teams have just done a better job with players that were stuck in a more remote situation. Um, I mean, I know we would all hope that the Indians would be one of the teams to benefit from it, but it's it just sort of underlines to me that the fact that we're even sort of talking about that as a way a team can gain an advantage is just sort of a weird, strange reminder of how bad the pandemic has been in some ways, mm-hmm. but also how delightful baseball is going to be to be back. Oh uh, Yeah, there's there's several things that are going on right now with reporting to spring training. We've got guaranteed roster battles that'll be taking place. Um, or would you rather prefer we start with... Uh, the fan graphs. I'm sorry. I was I was guaranteed roster battles a moment ago. Yeah. It's going down. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Bring it. <laughs> What's the most exciting one that we're going to see, do you think? Okay. Well, the clear cuts. Well, let's start with what is not going to be a battle. Like, just that we can rule out. No one's taking Shane Bieber's spot. He yeah. is in the rotation. Zach Playsex in the rotation. Aaron Savalli's in the rotation. That entire draft is in the rotation. Okay. Phenomenal. And I can, I would assume Tristan McKenzie's in the rotation, but I mean, it'll also depend how he looks in spring training. I mean, he could lose that spot, but those he, first three are guaranteed. I, would I think say. McKenzie would have to bomb. Yeah. At he Goodyear would, he would have year. to bomb. He would have to show up and, or get hurt or, uh, he Take would have to, n- 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 I, I, Knock, knocking, knocking on wood. Thank you. Um, he would have to, or he would have to have like a severe drop in like velocity or something there. They'd be concerned. That's the only reason McKenzie would lose the fourth spot. Technically, that spot is still up in the air because, I mean, he was great last year, but it was a small sample size. I think he got called up in mid-August. So he was basically there for a month and a half and he was awesome. But uh, I don't think Savali had the roster spot locked down after a great month and a half in 2019 so there's always the alternate take where or the alternate outcome where we have three guys that are all pitching great in spring competing for the fourth and fifth spots so even though that's not a huge battle it'll still be fun uh basically what the battles will be are shortstop right field center field first base utility number five starter and about four or how many bullpen spots would you would you think Tito will run? Eight. Eight? So I would say at least five bullpen spots, probably. Okay. Which one do you want to go over first? Let's start with the bullpen. So there's three spots that I think are guaranteed. 
at this point. These players have earned it based on performance. And that's Karen Check. I mean, he's the favorite to be the closer. Uh, Whitgren has been a reliable eighth inning guy mm-hmm. back at like, and Matone was really good. Like, and he has great peripherals as well with velocity, spin rate, everything that he does, I like. So those three, I think, are in regardless. But then after that, you have several really interesting options. I would say unless he plays really bad, Trevor Stevens should get it. But, you know, he because he's the Rule 5 pick, if he doesn't make it, they have to give him back. Um, so I would think he has an edge heading in as a Rule 5 draft pick. And then after that, it's kind of up in the air. I mean, Emmanuel Clase should have a huge edge because, I mean, he was the key return in the Kluber trade. It'll depend how he looks after a year off from the I suspension. I would be shocked if he doesn't make it opening day. It would be similar to McKenzie not being in there as the number four guy. It's just that, you know, we haven't seen him yet in an Indian's uniform. So that, that's really the only thing that I've got going against Emmanuel Clays. Um, But he should get it. So that's kind of five, if you think about it. Um, I mean, unless Steven flops, that would open up a spot. But I kind of I like what I see in Steven. I think uh, he's got a pretty good chance of making it. Let's say that that's five. Then you would say maybe the next three spots, maybe four, depending if they go nine, uh, would be up for grabs. So out of those, uh, you've got Kyle Dowdy, guy that throws upper nineties. He was a uh, he was actually the only thing we have left in the Willie Castro trade, uh, if you remember. We, we sent him to the Tigers? Yeah, we sent Castro to the Tigers, and we got back the outfielder that had the blood condition. How am I forgetting his name already? Leonis Martin, or Martin. So we basically got a year of Leonis Martin and Kyle Dowdy for Willie Castro. Anthony Ghosts which is another really interesting one. Uh, he's a position player, used to be like a utility outfielder type of guy that kind of flopped as a as a player because he couldn't hit very well and decided to start completely from scratch as a pitcher. And he's torching the ball in the upper 90s uh, with good breaking stuff. And he's he's kind of been a really, really compelling and interesting reliever. Uh, he'll have a chance to make the bullpen out of spring training. You've got uh, Heath Hembury. I think he's a veteran minor league uh, invite type of guy. Uh, Sam Hentkis, who we've talked about. Uh, Cam Hill, who we've talked about. Uh, another veteran, DJ Johnson. Uh, Kyle Nelson, who we've talked about a little bit. Uh, he was like, I think, your Indian, one of your Indian in the cupboards last year for a little bit. For a bit. few weeks, yeah. This one's perhaps the most interesting. Blake Parker, who they just uh, announced a signed a minor league deal. Uh, then Adam Pletko, who probably has the leg up uh, if he doesn't get the number five spot in the rotation because uh, he's out of options, I believe. So they would have to. I'm sure they wouldn't want to just DFA him. And I think there's use for a guy who can go out there and mm-hmm. throw four innings in a Tito bullpen day, especially with the expanded roster. It's, it's the 26 man now, right? And then uh, you'd have Nick Sandlin and Brian Shaw. Those are probably the top people competing for those last few spots. Are there I any feel, of those that stand out to you? Yeah, I want to see Sandlin and Cam Hill for sure. 
I just in general, I feel like the top of the rotation or excuse me, the top of the bullpen, the late inning guys are going to be so solid. I would rather take a chance on a few young guys for the first few months of the season and see if they can figure it out. Because then if they do, hot damn, you've got a bunch of effective relievers with like seven years of team control. And I think what might give some of these guys a leg up is out of the locks, none of them are lefties. True. And we have a few lefties in Henkis, Henkis, Nelson. And Ghosts. Yeah. Oh, I I forgot Ghosts is a lefty. Well, no wonder. If you throw 100 and you're left-handed, you'll keep getting tryouts. This that I think the lefty to make the team out of the bullpen is going to be an interesting battle for sure. You also have to be able to get righties out now since they got rid of the whole uh, come in and take you out immediately rule. So I I would have to delve into their numbers to see who does best uh, against both sides of the plate. But I would think it would be Nelson because he put up video game numbers throughout his minor league career. He led all of minor league baseball in FIP in 2018, I believe. He seems like the next guy like Karen Jack, who if he doesn't start the season on the team, we're going to be gesticulating wildly on this podcast about the numbers he's putting up in Columbus until he gets <laughs> promoted. But yeah, uh, I think the thing I liked the most about uh, Nelson was just, he was just really dominant. He's that low strikeout or low walk, high strikeout guy. Doesn't put a lot of people on base. In 2019, had a 0.89 whip out of the bullpen and struck out 69 batters in 47.1 innings and walked 14. And that was across three levels. He started the year in Lynchburg at high A, then went to Akron, and then finished the year in Columbus. So It feels like he should make the opening day roster, fingers crossed. Like, I'm convinced after this conversation. I would think he's got the leg up. He did get a one-game cup of coffee with Cleveland last year. That he So he actually has made his Major League debut already. It did not go well, by the way. Uh, they, they let him go two-thirds of an inning, and he gave up uh, four runs on three hits and a walk. Generally speaking, if your MLB debut is not even a full inning, <laughs> I don't think you had a good time. Yeah. Uh, so I'm guessing the bases got loaded and then he gave up a grand slam. I think yeah. is what happened. Well, welcome to but, the show, kid. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I, I do. Li- I like Nelson, but it, it'll be a really interesting race. Like maybe he's got the leg up because he's already been called up and he has had better historical numbers, but Henkis is the higher rated prospect. People are still really excited about what he can do as a flame throwing, big, tall lefty. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited for that race. Um, but the other guys that I think uh, have a really good chance of making it, I would think Blake Parker has a leg up. He was, I think, the Mets' best reliever last year. He turned down like some guaranteed major league contracts to get a minor league contract with Cleveland. Yeah, the one thing I'm nervous about with Parker is he does not throw hard. And like, if you look at his metrics, like Statcast stuff, it's not good at all. Like he is like bottom fifteen percent in like everything: spin rate, velocity. Like, I don't know how he does it. How old is he? Has he been around? 
where'd this guy come from? Since I, I mean, he's not that old, but yeah. Uh, and he, so he closed, he was, I remember he was the angels closer in 2018. Cause I briefly had him on my fancy baseball team. And then he got some run as Minnesota's closer in 2019. Uh, and then I think got traded to the Phillies and then last. So it was not the Mets. It was the Phillies last year where he was very good. He posted a 281 ERA, struck out uh, 25 batters in 16 innings. With as many teams as he's been on, I'm half expecting you to tell me that he was on the hands team for the Lions for the last three <laughs> games of the season. They just needed an extra guy and he was around. You want to hear all the teams he's been on, though? It's uh... We're here. Let's go. Okay. So he broke into the majors at 27 years old with the Cubs. He pitched uh, three years with them. Missed all of 2015. Uh, then 2016, he was with Seattle. Then in 2016, I think he got traded to the Yankees. Then he went to the Angels for two years. Then Minnesota. Then Phillies for a year and a half. So, Brian, uh, as far as position players who you expect to contend for starting positions go, uh, especially among certain young prospects we're excited about, who are you going to keep tabs on? Okay. Um, the shortstop competition is basically going to boil down to Andres Jimenez and Ahmad Rosario um, because, you know, they both came over in the, the Mets trade for Lindor. And if Jimenez looks like he's ready to go, I mean, I don't know how they can deny him. I mean, he, he he's no longer a rookie. It would basically be only to manipulate service time if they did not start with him, if he looks great out of the gate here. Um, I mean, Rosario has been around a little bit longer. He's not as good as uh, Jimenez defensively, but he's got a little bit more experience. Um, he can play more positions easy, more easily. So I think Rosario would be a better candidate for perhaps the utility role because he can like you, you joked about, you know, Mike Freeman playing in the outfield in the yes. last podcast. Rosario actually could play in the outfield and like he could do, I would think third base, shortstop, second base outfield. Like that seems like, you know, Tito's dream right there. Pretty much. So, I mean, considering he's actually run, you know, Michael Martinez and. There are certain memories I do not wish to revisit. And they were in the outfield. Brian. (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, but I'm just saying. So (laughs) Rosario was actually like a former top 10 prospect in all of baseball. Um, So if he can be our super utility, I think that could actually be a much bigger uh, benefit. So That'd be fine. my guess, yeah. But you'll also be having uh, Gabriel Arias, Yu Chang, Ernie Clement, Tyler Freeman, Owen Miller, all duking it out for that starting shortstop position. But my guess would be Jimenez getting it since he's already proven himself at the major league level. I think he actually had a higher WRC plus last year than Lindor. Folks. It or not, as a rookie. Folks. I'm looking forward to seeing him play for sure. <laughs> and I'm not saying he's better than Lindor because Lindor had a down year last year, but he that's he did have a I just barely higher. Like he's not going to hit as, for as much power as Lindor. Um, he's not clearly the superstar that Lindor was, but uh, yeah, he was above average last year as a rookie. You know that had never even played Triple A. So that's that's my guess is that Jimenez just outright wins it. It sounds like. And I guess this is just the pressure from everywhere else in the system sort of hitting the ceiling now. 
there's going to be at least a couple of guys in that mix who deserve a shot that aren't going to find a spot. Who do you think ends up getting, unfortunately, left off the everyday roster who maybe deserves a look? Uh, Looking, I would say there's a high likelihood that this happens, but the battle for first base, boiling down to three left-handed hitters. (laughs) Uh, You got Jake Bowers, Bobby Bradley, and Josh Naylor. Now, if they do not want to let Jake Bowers go, they're probably going to have to give it to him, you would think, because he is out of options. Uh, Bradley still has options. How? <laughs> well, Bradley's only been up to the big league roster one time. I, Bowers I has so. it just... played major league level in 2018 and 2019, and did not do it last year. So even though it feels like Bradley has been around forever, he, in fact, was only up once and didn't end up using any service time last year when he almost certainly would have during a regular season. I would think that they will hose Bobby Bradley again. But again, he's got an entire spring training to prove himself. Like, if he goes out there and they can't deny him, maybe they cut bait on Jake Bowers. Like, we just don't know yet. Uh, You know, Bowers was all potential. Back in uh, 2019, there was some hype behind him. Uh, He's still but, all potential. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but And the other wild card here is Josh Naylor. Like, I would think Naylor's going to be playing every single day. So if he gets the starting first baseman job, then both Bowers and Bradley are out. <laughs> so uh, I guess maybe you keep one of them as a, a bench bat. But as we know, Tito... Well, I guess Tito's better about managing pinch hitting situations than Sandy Alomar was, but. Yeah, what I was thinking was they might do something crazy like Naylor every day and then Naylor plays first base on the days they face lefties because maybe they trust him to, you know, bat against lefties better. And then Naylor moves to outfield the days they face righties. And then whoever else makes the team, either Bowers or Bradley, would start at first base on those days. It's going to be a weird platoony team. Yeah, for sure. Like that would be a really, that's just something that, I mean, I don't know if they do it, but that's something I've thought about. That if Naylor, you know, is good enough defensively to play first base, they might do that. Because the right field situation is interesting because they don't have a lot of space now with Rosario taking one of those corner spots now and you would think Jordan Leplo taking up the right side platoon uh, in right field, you basically have all the rest of the guys competing for uh, all the rest of the corner outfield people competing for half of uh, an outfield spot. <laughs> basically. And so I think you end up putting a premium on guys who could also serve in center. That seems to make logical sense. Well, yeah, center is its own thing because you've got Zimmer and Mercado, maybe Daniel Johnson, and then they signed Billy Hamilton. I mean, I hope. I mean, Billy Hamilton has been great on like my fantasy teams and stuff because he steals so many bases. But, you know, you can't steal first base. <laughs> That's been his biggest problem his whole career. I kind of hope that they don't go with that, you know, let's just give the veteran a chance and let our minor leaguers rot again. Um, So I'm hoping that they give the opportunity at center to like Mercado Zimmer, like a combo left, right platoon or something. 
or maybe just Mercado or something like that. But that leaves right field where say Luplo gets it for the right side platoon. You've got Jake Bowers battling for the left side platoon. You've got Daniel Johnson battling for the left side platoon. You've got Josh Naylor battling for the left side platoon. Nolan Jones is still a possibility there. I would assume that they're going to manipulate his service time and wait until the summer. Just something we accept. I know. I hate it too. Is Ben Gamble a lefty? He bats left. Yes. So Ben Gamble is also now competing for that left side platoon um, in right field. Have the Indians constructed a device that can fuse several players who all play one position into basically a combination of all their best attributes? Because I wonder sometimes with the dudes they collect. The one thing you have to remember is Naylor is almost certainly making the team. His bat's in the lineup one way or another. Like they traded for him as a major league addition to their their lineup it whether he does it at first base or right field or like i brought up a combination of the both um like i expect him to be playing every day like that that's what really makes this interesting so is are they willing to cut bait on jake bowers um do they allow ben gamble because i mean the guy does have good on base percentage he's not the best with production but uh you know he can he can work a count and that's pretty important in this day and age in the game. So it's just going to be up to players to outperform some of these veterans. Like they're just going to have to make it so that they can't deny them. So it'll be exciting if we get that kind of performance out of someone and can celebrate their ascension to the major league roster and eventually Cooperstown. Obviously we can briefly go over the, the number five rotation spot battle because that's exciting. Now, assuming Tristan McKenzie gets the four. You would this means the the number five starter is going to either Logan Allen, uh, Jordan Humphreys, who they signed in the offseason, Gene Carlos Mejia, Eli Morgan, Scott Moss, Adam Pletko, Cal Quantrill, Carlos Vargas, or long shot Sam Hentges if he's still starting. So all of those guys, I believe, are on the 40-man roster. And all of them have the potential and stuff to be a a number five starter. I'm going to be really curious to see who gets worked in and for how many innings once spring training begins. I mean, you'd have to think Cal Quantrill's the favorite out of the gate. It feels like it for sure. Yeah. Again, he was one of those big returns in the Clevenger deal. He didn't have a spot in the San Diego rotation, but now that we've traded away Carlos Carrasco, We have that opening and he has good stuff. Like he was an elite prospect at one time. And if the Indians development can work their magic with him, uh, he definitely has the potential to to be better than a number five starter, uh, but to at least start there uh, and then move his way up the rotation potentially. But I would think he's the favorite. Like the rest of them are just too unproven. Like we kind of know what we get out of Pletko. Um, I mean, he's for me, you know, not a number five starter, but he's a guy that you can rely on to eat innings, to pitch on doubleheader days, to say something happens. He can fill in. He sure has an arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he, he will be around. He will give us innings. They will be predictably mediocre and occasionally nice, but 
And Logan Allen, yeah, Logan Allen has had some major league experience. Hasn't really done a lot of starting for Cleveland, but he did start for uh, San Diego a few times. He's lost his rookie status, believe it or not, um, at this point. So, you know, they're going to have to, I would think that he's at least just going to stay on the roster. That's another one that at least has the experience to, to compete for that spot. But so far he's, you know, kind of disappointed. So those are the, those are, I would say, all of the really exciting position battles to keep an eye on in spring training. Now, prospect guru with fan graphs, Eric Longenhagen, released his list of the top 100 prospects. It is always a hotly anticipated list. Presumably, if you look forward to the release of this podcast every week, you already know what we're discussing. But within it, he ranked uh, the top 100 prospects. But additionally, any prospect in the major league, in the, in the majors, because of service time, not quite ending their eligibility to be considered a rookie, or in the farm system somewhere, who had a, an estimated future value on the 80 to 20 scout scale of at least 50. And Cleveland has seven guys that are ranked. And that is, I believe, top three or four out of every team in Major League Baseball that was represented. Because, you know, there's, what, 30 teams? And there's 133 ranked here. So on average, each team should have, you know, a little over like four, just barely. So for Cleveland to have seven, that's really good. That's really, really good. I think. Tampa is the runaway favorite here. I mean, they have the number one player. Uh, they have the number four player. I think they have double-digit players on this list. So that's ridiculous that they just went to the World Series and they've got double-digit players on the top 100. But um, regardless, Cleveland's right there. So a team that has consistently been a winner, competitive in their division for you know five or six years, and so that that kind of speaks to how they've been able to stay competitive and continue building a really strong system. So the timing is good. Like even with them losing some of their, you know, veterans and stars, like it feels like they're on track to be able to replace them, hopefully with homegrown talent. So we'll see how it plays out, but I'm optimistic. Um, but let's talk about, uh, some of the love that they did give um, out of all the players listed, the two closest to the major leagues were the two highest ranked uh, Tristan McKenzie, Nolan Jones, McKenzie, we've already seen at the major league level. He's looked amazing and Jones should absolutely be making the debut this year. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of love for them. I think the one thing that I've been seeing pop up about Jones that I'm a little concerned about that uh, we, we will have to see addressed is how he hits left-handed pitching. So, you know, is he destined to be a platoon bat? Like that would severely, uh, you know, decrease his future long-term value. Um, I mean, platoon bat's great this year because, you know, if he's split in time with uh, Jordan Luplo, then that's a heck of a platoon if you've got, you know, two guys that are very above average against the side, the pitching arm that they're facing. But uh, if you want Nolan Jones to be a starter uh, for our long-term future, you know, he's going to have to prove that he can hit lefties. And so far, 
he hasn't quite done that. I hope he gets the opportunity to prove whether or not he can, because it seems like the left-handed power bat who also hits lefties well is going extinct, and it would be great to have one. Let's have one position we don't platoon, you know? <laughs> like, for, like everybody's it, it seems, a switch hitter or platoon, yeah, basically. It seems like the only time we we can reliably not have to platoon somebody is if they're a switch hitter. I think the only like guaranteed regular that's not a switch hitter is like Rosario on the team this year. So, well, I guess catcher too, but I mean, you're not expecting them to hit. So, yeah, we basically have designated catchers on the Indians. The offense is all gravy. Uh, but then moving down the list, um, you know, he, he's very high on Valera again. You know, we haven't seen a whole lot of Valera, but, oh, but he, we will. I, I like the ETA next year. That's pretty exciting. Um, so that would mean you would have to think that he's going to be getting some time at at least high A, if not double A this year, if they think he's going to be in the big leagues next season. And then who was the next player on the list? And I believe that from a chat recently, Eric Longenhagen had a fun excerpt about this guy. Yep, Brian Rocchio. Oh, you got to share what he said. It so, so good. In a recent chat, he explained, someone had asked, because of the uh, large number of middle infield types in the Indian system, which one did he think they would be likely to deal? And he named a couple, but specifically called out Brian Rocchio, saying, you'd have to pry him from my cold, dead hands. So that says to me, 79 now, but he's higher on him than that and just isn't confident enough, maybe, to bump him up the list yet. And I think that speaks volumes about how much he likes that guy because, uh, I mean, we all like Rokio, but the fact that somebody that really knows his prospects, like across all prospects of, from every team, likes Rokio that much, yes, that gets me excited. Um, and then we have Tyler Freeman, you know, who is, I would think, at least starting the year in double A, um, if not higher. And he also has an ETA of 2022 on that list. So, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, every single one of these guys, they are expecting to be on the club by next year. Um, and then I think this one is the most shocking to me. Daniel Espino, their, dra- their first round draft pick from 2019, who is just 20 years old. And has never pitched higher than uh, low A Mahoning Valley. Never even pitched full season baseball. He has his ETA at 2022 next year. That would be exciting. Because, it w- I mean, it would speak to him basically blasting through the last few levels of the system at such a He would have to leapfrog probably, in my mind, about 20 guys ahead of them right now in the pecking order to start. <laughs> so if he does that... Oh my God, he is not going to be ranked 92 next year. No, if he does that. <laughs> that would be like a consensus top 10 guy, mm-hmm. I would think. Yeah, or at least, you know, top 20, 25. So uh, that just shows the how much they think of Espino. And I don't know if you've seen any of the videos that have been getting posted about Espino during his offseason workouts and everything and uh, some uh, pitching bullpens. Uh, he is jacked. He he did not uh, spend his winter break uh, eating Twinkies. He was <laughs> he was in the gym basically from sun up until sundown. 
He's on the Yandi Diaz performance plan. Yeah. yeah. So that guy looks ready to go. Do not mess with Daniel Espino, people. <laughs> it's yeah, I'm I am so excited to see what he's gonna do this year. So I mean if if that's the case, if they think that he's gonna make his major league debut next year, then he's at least starting in Lynchburg low uh, re- regular full season single A, but they may push him straight to high A Lake County this year because he did get to spend his uh, season last year in the taxi squad. He was one of the youngest players there because he's just turned 20. So as a 19-year-old, he was in there against, you know, all the best prospects and veterans in that taxi squad. I just want to see them play baseball. We're so <laughs> close, Brian. Yeah, I, uh, I, I looked at something that was really interesting. There are like only a couple zones where you can live in America and be like really close to high A, double A, and triple A at the same time. And I live like right smack dab in the middle of it. I was going to say, Ohio <laughs> would have to be one of them yeah. now since Northern, everybody's nor- so close. North central Ohio, because I've got Columbus an hour to the south of me. I've got Akron about an hour and a half to the right of me. And then I've got Lake County about two hours to the northeast of me. You wouldn't be too far from Toledo either. No, no. I mean, if I wanted to go see the Tigers, but I'm talking <laughs> just Cleveland. Yeah. Just Cleveland, I can I can see all three of those with relative ease. Like I, I wouldn't even have to call off work; I could just go to a game after after work, um, which is pretty at least during weekday. So that's pretty exciting. May I send you on that journey with some good luck in the form of an E.E. E. Gammings poem? Yes, please take it away. <clears throat> hey, I'm Raphael M. I'm six feet tall, one hundred ninety pounds. I enjoy kennels. Swipe up if you cherish stud finders.